documentaries, history, insights, interviews, chefs deep dive. And welcome to Chef's Deep Dive, and I've got something special. Yes, you've got just me in your ears for this pod. Yep, it's a special, just me. Is that special? Some might be thinking, no, I might turn it off. Well, don't, don't bloody turn it off, or I'll come round your house and piss in your ear. Anyway, what have we got? Talking about painful, or sometimes a fetish in someone's case, we're going to be looking at the Marquise de Sade. So it's a bit of a history lesson, and also a little bit of information at the end of some projects which I'm doing. I am putting my fingers i've got my fingers in many pies some of them are apple some of them are with cinnamon and one of them is in this cracking little golden nugget of a project which i'm doing with my brother about the marquis it's hard anyway let's get right to it so what should we say well the first thing you need to know is who the bloody hell is marquis de Sade? i've never heard of him is it some kind of french bloke well the correct pronunciation of which one of my friends have actually told me is the Marquis de Sade but as I'm from Manchester I can hardly speak English if I get some of the pronunciations wrong it's just me okay that's all it is you you get what I mean and if you don't just switch over to something else better instead like Coronation Street okay so the Marquis de Sade is where the word sadism is derived from did you know that so some of you might be sat there going well what is sadism well let me take you on a little journey come on teacher cliff will tell you so sadism is in the simplest definition is when an individual derives pleasure from the pain and suffering from another individual this pain and suffering can take a number of forms including physical pain wow humiliation fuck you or degradation <laughs> to name but a few further sadisms can manifest as one taking pleasure in merely watching these behaviors i.e porn hub porn scrub porn jizz and all that type of stuff people be sat there on a computer and the way i got into this i'm not into the sadism by the way but the way i was in touch with this was with the work of the marquis de Sade. so it's the roots of sadism can be traced back to the Marquis de Sade. The word sad, sadism. There we are. There's something new. If you didn't know that, beat your black and blue. Just like Marquis de Sade. So this podcast is not going to be a lengthy one. I'm not going to be lecturing you like some crusty old teacher sat there with his knee up on the desk, scratching his crotch. And that is true. My teacher, Mr. Ditson, God bless his soul. You know, used to do the history lessons, talking about the boring stuff, not even the good war stuff. It was all like spinning Jenny and the laws. Yeah, the Industrial Revolution. Not bothered. Tell me of all the wars. Tell me about World War One. No, no, no. You need to know. You need to know about the suffragettes. Oh, yeah. I remember back in the day. Piss off. Anyway, never got the good stuff, did you, at school? You had to read it yourself. And this is one thing I got into. It's like I said, the Marquis de Sade. So let me take you on a little bit of a history. Since I've written the damn thing anyway. So Marquis, Marquis de Sade, for my friend out there who will be like punishing me 
is known as the father of written eroticism. What many don't know is that the nobleman's life was more sadistic than his work. Oh yes, this guy would make Fifty Shades of Bollocks look like a Disney film. Yep, believe it or not. Well, it's a bag of shite anyway. In my humbling opinion, Fifty Shades of Grey is no more titillating than getting a wet fish and slapping it on your back. Hmm, wet fish. No, to be serious, it's a bag of shit. It's not some literally brilliance what come out of that woman who decided to write it. Fair enough, she's earned a shitload of money from a load of women who really are the modern generation of reading Mills and Boone. Do you remember them? My grandma used to get a million of them. I think she did was like hundreds hundreds of books about some passionate night with some Turkish delight. And that's all Fifty Shades of Grey is, is it just a modern take of that. Uh, whatever people may say about the Marquis de Sade is he can write. That bugger could definitely write. You know what I mean? He could put Shakespeare to shame. If you ask me, and I've read a good lot of his works, well, the ones who are published anyway. The Marquis de Sade was an 18th century nobleman famed for his erotic novels, which inspired the term sadism to describe sexual cruelty, which I've described. To a select few, he was a literary libertarian who freed the public from the shackles of prudish society through the introduction of an entirely different kind of restraint. To most, Marquis de Sade's work was blasphemous and unfit for polite society, and often he was prosecuted or imprisoned. His books were even banned for almost two centuries. So let's go back a little bit further. Let's go back to its roots. Boom, boom. The Marquis was born in 1740. He began his life in a noble family, his mother a lady-in-waiting to the French royal family had intended that her son be a playmate for the royal children. However, it became evident from a young age that the young Marquis had no intention of being a rule follower. Oh. Well, I was a bit of one of them. After he began one too many fights with the young royals, the Marquis decided was sent to live with his uncle. He was well educated throughout his youth and attended school before he joined the Academy of King's Light Cavalry. The cavalry was well known for admitting only the finest sons of the best families. So it was only after he served in the Seven Years War that, that this Randy Bugger's fetishes started to emerge. Some say, or some might say, due to his prudish family and absent father, attending a school that promoted shame and humiliation. Ultimately, no one can be certain what is responsible for this noble army boy's transformation into one of literary history's most deviant authors. I love that. I love that. It's where psychologists say, oh, it must be because of his youth. It must be because of this. It must be because of that. When in some cases, it's just ingrained in someone. That's what I believe. Yeah, there might be outside influences, but if someone's going to do it, they got to do it. The Marquis married his first and only wife, Renée Pelage, 
de Montul. Like I said, I'm from Manchester, I'm not French, so I got that wrong, bugger off. In 1763, after meeting her for the first time, only two days before the wedding. Ooh, thought she was nice. The marriage was arranged by the newlywed parents, as the Montul family was wealthy, yet socially inferior to the Desard family. Still, there were benefits for both parties to gain from the union. Um... Well, I'm sure in other countries they still do stuff like that. And we all heard it on news. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really. You can already see why the Marquis was a bit... Ugh, fuck off. The Marquis de Sade moved in with his new bride and her family in Paris. But he kept a secret apartment. It was there that Sade began to test the limits of his human sexuality. Shortly after his wedding... The side locked up a young prostitute in his apartment. He allegedly stomped on a crucifix while he screamed blasphemes and insisted that she whip him. Well, who hadn't done that? Within a year, numerous brothels from around Paris had been warned about the sad and were instructed not to let him take girls back to his private apartment. Though he continuously met with and allegedly abused prostitutes in the years, it wasn't until 1768 that the Marquis committed his next vicious act. On Easter Sunday, the Sard brought a prostitute to his apartment where he repeatedly whipped her and dripped hot wax on her body. Though she was paid by the Dussard family to drop the charges, the king was forced to imprison the Marquis for his crimes. Rather than imprison him, the king forced Dussard to exile at a lavish chateau in Provence. It's not much of a, you know, slap wrist, is it? There you go. Go to the chateau in Provence. Enjoy yourself there. In other words, Fuck off abusing our prostitutes and go do it somewhere else. You're giving me a bad name. Anyway, we're going to stop there for a few moments. We're going to play you a tune. Yes, why not? That's a bit of a tune, a bit of a dark fantasy tune. A tune which embodies the sad work, shall we? So we'll go for a bit of Velvet Underground, Venus in Furs. <laughs> Severin, oh, waits you there. 
Underground being a synthers. Sounds like a radio show, this, doesn't it? And welcome to DJ Sadism. Let's get back to it, shall we? So, Desard living in Provence, in a chateau. Can you imagine that? All the servants, you're, you're being punished, you're being punished. He's a yek. He's just escaping the persecution for the crimes he, he would commit while there. Can you imagine all the other crimes he'd committed? Now, if you're sensitive to hearing anything a little bit bad, naughty and disgusting, then you better switch off now. And if you want to listen to it, then stick around and stop being a pussy. So, 
This is this is a little bit disturbing though, to be honest. Along with the help of his wife. Along with the help of his wife. Dossard imprisoned five young women and one young man in his chateau for six weeks. Dossard and his servants, as well as any occasional lover, would repeatedly abuse and sodomize the prisoners. Dossard and his accomplice would turn these acts into a theatrical production, which his wife would watch. The two men also used aphrodisiac called Spanish Fly that incapacitated young women. After the ordeal, villagers shied away from Dossard. Shied away, in other words, for fuck off, I'm not going anywhere near him, he's a proper nutter keep away anyway the wife's mother got word of it you can imagine there's no telephones back then so it must have took a long while man on donkey going up to paris anyway she decided to get in contact with the authorities to hunt him down he and his servant the and part-time lover fled to italy but to no avail Dossard was imprisoned with his servant and the two were sentenced to death in september of 1772 bugger i bet there's a lot of that in in that jail anyway dosad and his servant managed to escape imprisonment and return to his chateau where together with his fat wife the three continued to engage in lewd sexual acts finally in 1776 the marquise was sentenced to imprisonment in the dungeon of vincennes like said it's french words in it Anyway, in total, Dossard spent over 30 years behind bars and was even transferred to the Bastille at one point. His wife retired at a convent. I wonder if she was forced into it by her mum, saying, You've been a trollop. Now go to a convent. While imprisoned, Dossard recorded his sexcapades. He wrote his atheist manifesto the dialogue between a priest and a dying man and a 39 foot long account of his perversions in what is known as 120 days of sodom i've read that it was probably one of the hardest reads not because of the language or anything difficulty in that sense it was so depraved and so violently disgusting that at parts of the novel I had to put down for a few days until I continued reading. I don't know about you, but when I'm reading something, I'm imagining what's happening. You you create your own little film in your head, don't you? And you can see and you can feel, you can smell, and you, you, you're, at, you're at that point with the author. And I found that novel, out of all that I've written, uh, written read, is the most disturbing. When the French Revolutionary stormed the Bastille, Dussard was sent to a mental institution in Paris. Here he began work on what is potentially his most known work, Justine, which features the various sexual torments of a young woman prisoner at the hands of various partners, including some religious figures. That, to me, is his best piece of work as a novel. It's very cleverly written. Yes, there's a lot of sexual tortured there's things which is disgusting in it but there's the story how these two sisters split and one goes one way and one leaves a life of virtue 
It's very good. Highly recommend it. His imprisonment was a prolific period of writing for the side and some of his works were picked up as plays, though not all were performed. Though the side was liberated from the asylum for a brief time in which he was able to save his ex-wife's parents from the reign of terror. He was ultimately sent back to prison where he would die. You see, what they're saying there about the reign of terror was a part in the French Revolution where anyone of dignitary, anyone connected to the royals was hunted down and executed, given the guillotine, beaten up, found, ransacked their home. And the fact that he goes out of his way to escape from the jail of which he was in to go to help his ex-wife's parents... Uh, from the guillotine he actually saved them and they're the ones who put them him in you know the first prison as well it shows that the, the guy morally yes he's fucking sexual deviant but i think his heart was there he wanted to save the person and if this is where we go from here as well and if you actually read the dialogue between a priest and a dying, dying man brilliant short story of this only take about 20 minutes to read and the priest comes to a dying man and he and he says do you repent of your sins and the dying man um tells him that he doesn't believe in god well there's a beautiful line within there which he actually says so this is a quote from the work and he says near the end that there is no need of religion or god to appreciate and act upon them the sole requirement is a good heart the sole requirement is a good heart do you understand what it means out there is I, I really think even in this day and age he was talking about issues you know nearly 300 years ago and it's the same issues which rise now and create such hostilities in nations and even politics and the ruling of people as well to bring god into it have we really not moved on that far yet and this was written in 1780 something or other makes you think doesn't it anyway i hope you've enjoyed it so there's my little bit of history of the marquis desired and i was telling you about a couple of his books as well so if you can i would highly recommend you read justine before you read 120 days of sodom it might put you off any of his works then read the dialogue between priests and a dying man which usually comes as some extra short stories at the end of justine if you buy the book and the reason i wanted to bring the marquis decide up and have it in people's heads and maybe even think about is myself and my brother with the help of a number of friends who's happily been like editing and helping me here and there like john as well john aiken he's had a look at the work is i'm trying to put together a short film based on the priest and the dying man and it'd be a more modern take of it so don't worry there's not no sexual diversions in there it's um well it's definitely a piece i'm working on so look out for that in the near future. Hopefully the lockdown won't stop me in making this little short film. And I'll keep you abreast. So next week we'll be back doing a pod with one of my friends. It may be Craig Stibson because he's coming on in the future. Maybe uh, um, Fatboy Slick. He wants to come on, do a couple more. And we've got a book review coming up as well by Steve Stonehold of World War Z. So listen, keep tuning in. 
Shep's Deep Dive. See you then. Bye-bye. So